This is the All Markets Summit podcast from Yahoo Finance. Please welcome Rick Newman with the CEO of Kaiser Permanente, Bernard Tyson, and Steve Van Kuyken from McKenzie & Company. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Uh, Bernard, I'm going to start with you. Uh, we're talking about the future of healthcare. Uh, have you been hearing what the Democrats running for president are saying about your industry? Uh, get rid of private insurance. Nobody should be making a profit in the healthcare business. Um, my question for you: People are watching these debates and hearing this. What do you? How do you defend the private healthcare industry and the private sector insurance companies such as your own? Well. You have, good to see you. You have 150 plus million people getting coverage through private insurance. So we must, as an industry, be doing some things right. The issue, though, is affordability. The issue is the cost of care. I have said over and over again, there are two parts to think about affordability. There's affordability of coverage, and there's affordability of care. And that's what we have to bring together now in the debate and really talk about do we continue to focus only on the coverage side, or do we in fact really start to look as an industry at what the cost of care is and how we can deal with the inefficiencies of care, the wide variations in practices, uh, known and proven practices that aren't implemented in the whole healthcare ecosystem. So those are the bigger issues that I'm more worried about than trying to figure out how now to take all the things that we have in place for coverage already, private insurance and government-sponsored programs, in which 90% of Americans are covered under that, blow that up and spend the time working through that versus really focusing on the affordability so of So we're going to talk, talk about cost in a moment. Let me just ask you about this one uh, line of thinking, though. Uh, so the a theory, you hear, hear Elizabeth Warren saying this in particular, Bernie Sanders and some of the others, that uh, companies that are making a profit in the healthcare industry, that is money that if this were a, public, uh, a government program, you would take all those profits and you would instead devote that toward patient care. Is that what would actually happen? Uh, yes and no. <clears throat> in our situation, we're not-for-profit. Right. Uh, and our margins are set at about 2%. That's two cents on the dollar. I, I talk about this all over the country. I assure you as an organization, as the CEO, who has a $87 billion revenue base because of 12.4 million members who have put their trust in Kaiser Permanente's hand, we set the margin at 2%. I do not spend time focused on 2%. The affordability agenda is in the 98 cents, if you will, the 98%. So how do we continue to use the 98% more efficiently and effectively to provide high quality care, access, and affordability? That's the affordability agenda. And you know, I think that's the wrong focus to say, and it is about going from for-profit to not-for-profit or government-sponsored. There still must be a return to go back into equipment, to hospitals, to retirement benefits. All of this is part of the whole ecosystem of the financing of healthcare. So let, let's talk about costs. Uh, so healthcare, everybody knows healthcare costs always go up. They never seem to go down. Uh, but it's missed, it's totally mystifying to ordinary people why costs are going up. Steve, you study this at McKinsey. Can you give us a sense of what is happening with costs and what kinds of things are happening that might actually push costs down? 
Yeah, so, and this, this builds on Bernard's uh, argument. I mean, costs do have to come down. In fact, the growth of costs are slowing. So if you look at on a per uh, patient basis, you're seeing a slowdown uh, in the growth of those costs, although they're still growing faster than inflation. There's a whole bunch of reasons for that. I mean, fragmentation in the industry, also a lot, you know, almost 60% of healthcare costs aren't shoppable, so it's hard to comparison price and... Uh, that, mean, that means you don't have a choice. You can't, if you're sitting yeah, in the emergency in, room, you can't say, oh, I want to go to another emergency Or I'd like a different IV bag that's cheaper, or that yeah. sort of thing. So, so you have those kinds of issues. That said, there's all kinds of technology innovation. I think we're at the beginning a wave of real innovation here, and there's new models uh, for both managing chronic care, so there's uh, this whole idea of digital therapeutics and uh, companies like Livongo and Omada Health are very focused on managing diabetes patients, uh, smoking cessation, that sort of thing, that I think will are showing real reductions in so cost. Let me, let me, we were talking about this before. These are, these are not insurers or care, care providers. These are third-party providers that basically provide services that help people uh, monitor their habits better. And That's right. Like that, right. And then insurers reimburse for those. They're starting to show that you can take down costs. The challenge has always been scaling those models. Uh, but I think one of the other things that are happening are that the big tech players are now actually really starting to focus on the market. They've struggled to build successful models in the healthcare market, but Amazon, Apple, Google, Microsoft are getting in in a big way, and I think they're going to start to build platforms that will allow these models to scale. Uh, and we'll start to see um, costs come out just because of you know, the use of technology at scale as opposed to very small pilots that have been going on. Bernard, do you use third-party services like these? Well, a lot of it we do internally because we provide the coverage and the care. But I want to build on it because, you know, obviously one of the benefits of, of looking at a system like Kaiser Permanente is that we have it all housed within, as we say, the four walls of Kaiser Permanente. And so I, I think it, um, it should be noted that I can show you inside of our system where we have driven costs down in many areas because we are more efficient, because of evidence-based medicine, um, our physicians uh, practice and they share information amongst themselves, and so you will see a less of a variation in outcomes and practices across our program. So you have a combination of two things happening. You have a system that is becoming more efficient and effective in all the things we're talking about. And then you also have an industry that is evolving in ways that none of us ever imagined. There are pills and medication and things down the, coming down the pike that's going to cure. And the problem with that, the wonderful thing is that's actually happening now. The challenge with that is the affordability issue. And so on one hand, you, you're becoming more efficient in some ways. On the other hand, it's becoming more expensive because the new drugs and the treatments and the therapies mm -hmm. that are coming down the pike and that are here is very expensive. And so the economics of healthcare has to be looked at from a global perspective, and we all are beginning to rethink what it means now because it is evolving and changing. And by the way, some of this is very exciting. And the challenge is how we make sure that everybody benefits from what's going on in the healthcare but, but industry. I, I, one other thing just to build on this too. It, it's, it has not been a consumer-oriented industry at all. I mean, accessing the healthcare system is extremely hard. And millennials, well, excluding Kaiser Permanente, Kaiser's, we yes, have, Kaiser's we, as different. a healthcare consumer, we have no idea how any of this works. 
What's that? As a healthcare consumer, we have no idea how and any of this works. And it's hard to access the system. Uh, docs, you know, the, the average doc is, I think, 80% of their schedule is already booked. It's hard to get access. This whole idea, and I think Kaiser is different because of their model. They're able to serve the consumer holistically. I, these, it has to change. Millennials are not going to, they're not going to accept the, the, the way the system works today. It's going to have to be much more consumer oriented. You're going to have to be able to access things on your, uh, your uh, iPhone, uh, and you're going to have to be able to get access to your doc without having to wait three months for an appointment. I mean, that shift will happen, uh, and that will drive uh, increases in productivity in the system more broadly, and be able to create the linkages that that Bernard's able to create within his system because it's a closed system or a so integrated system. Over 50% of our interactions with our members today is done via the iPhone, computers, et cetera. Access to our delivery yeah. system electronically, electronically. It's part of our, what we call, carry anywhere. We're showing that you do not have to come in for everything. That, to your point, that was uh, a non-consumer approach. It was convenient for the providers, if right. you will, in the healthcare industry. We're showing now with the investment in technology, you know, that I can be sitting here right now and I can talk to my physician through secure messaging. I could take a picture of something that he's working on as we speak and I could send it to my physician. I don't have to be physically in that location. And then when I need to be there physically, the appointments are made available. So Bernard, when you talk about ways you, you find efficiencies internally or other ways to cut, cut costs, but you've got these other factors that are pushing costs up, do you, uh, do you pass on cost savings to your customers who would be employers because when, for the people who uh, get that coverage, the, the patients, uh, that is the first source of cost, which is the premium and whatever the employer pays for the premium, which some people say comes out of pay as those costs go up. But then there are also are co-pays, and most people have to pay a portion of that premium. Do you ever pass cost savings on to those employers in ways they noticed? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and that is what affordability means, right? So in the industry, and you can validate this. In the industry, we have historically thought of affordability as how much it costs us to provide care that we pass on, and we try to tell the public we're being as efficient as possible. Our philosophy in Kaiser Permanente is now affordability is what comes out of your pocket. And so as I'm working to make the 98 cents more efficient and effective, and let's say that the industry is going up at 7 to 8% a year, and I'm going up two to 4% a year, so I'm passing on that savings to our customers, and we're working on how to try to lower that cost even more. So those are direct benefits that we think about passing on to our customer base. Do, we, do either of you foresee a time uh, within the next 10 years, say, when the amount, what you have to charge, what uh, insurers have to charge employers for coverage actually goes down on a per person basis? So, so I, that's hard to predict because of a point uh, Bernard made earlier. I, I think the, the, the rate of innovation in new therapies is going to be dramatic. You know, gene therapy, other things are coming. It's going to look entirely different. And that's all expensive, right? Well, it's expensive. Now, some of it will reduce costs because people will become healthier. Uh, I also think the other thing that's going to is happening is medical care only accounts for about 15 or 20 percent of total health, if you think about a person's health and an outcome. You know, there's social determinants, there's genetics, there's environmental factors that drive your health. And so, you know, the system and employers are starting to think about healthcare as a more holistic thing. 
but what, what is happening is a shift towards measuring outcomes and saying, okay, what is a, you know, what is a good outcome? How much does it cost? How much can we reduce that outcome? Again, Bernard's in a position to do that better because he's got the data. But what's happening is even the CMS is uh, passing, uh, you know, or, or pushing rules to free up the use of data. You know, the system has become digitized. Uh, you know, medical records are now electronic. And as that data becomes available, we'll be able to start doing a better job of testing these outcomes and saying, okay, am I healthier now? Am I, and I'm getting there in a cheaper way. I do think that will be very different in 10 years. Will the total cost on an apples to apples comparison, will we be able to do that comparison? Probably not. But people will be healthier and the system will be more efficient. Steve, I think though, looking from the big picture of, of the industry, uh, and you'll give me more specifics, but here's what I want people to hear. Um, roughly, 20% uh, of the population at any given time is occupying, as I call it, 80% of the cost, right? And then if you look at the total cost of care for the lifetime of an individual, almost 80% of that cost is towards the last one to two years of a person's life. So the whole economics of care has to be rethought around how do we go upstream and create more efficient ways to what we call maximize the healthy life years of individuals. So that's early detection, early diagnosis, early treatment. That's the new therapy, that's new monitoring of people with chronic diseases so they don't end up in a chronic state. And so you end up with how do we begin to redesign the whole ecosystem of health? And that's why I debate that do we want the attention of the industry on that side of the equation or do we want to spend the next 10 years still talking about coverage? coverage and so we've been working on coverage for the last 10 years and where we got it wrong is that we passed on too much cost, if you will, to working Americans. And so you end up getting, quote, an affordable premium that you can afford each month. So you have the affordability of coverage but then when you go in for care and you discover you have a $1,000 deductible or $5,000 deductible, you find yourself feeling exposed to bankruptcy and everything else because you don't have $5,000. And that's if you have insurance. And, and that's then there, we the still insurance. have uh, 30 million or so who don't have insurance and many more. So let me uh, just ask each of you, with regard to what you just said, is there one, what, what single thing, a policy change or something the government could do at the, the federal or even the state level that would address that problem you're describing? Ironically, uh, uh, and this is controversial, but I'm into that mood right now. <laughs> Ironically, look at the Affordable Care Act. Look at the building blocks of the Affordable Care Act, and I would offer to you that it has utility in the commercial population and other government programs as well. What is missing with the Affordable Care Act is our unwillingness as a country to modify it to meet the new demands and the lessons that we are learning, in our case, from taking care of almost 1.3 million people in the Affordable Care Act. There is a menu in there of which treatments would be no charge to members who are part of the Affordable Care Act. Those are preventative treatments that we need to think about in the entire population. So there are elements of the Affordable Care Act that we need to consider. And I remind people that as the Medicare Act was put in place, 
we are still passing laws to modify Medicare after its long-term existence, yeah. uh, taking care of the elderly See, population. Let, I'll ask yeah. you for a quick, a okay. quick response to that, and then uh, one final question. Okay. I, I, yes, because I, 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 I think it's right. I think make the markets work, expand coverage. Uh, the, the, the issue is, again, I, I completely agree with Bernard on this point. You know, we've got 68 million people who are participating in the gig economy. Portability of care is going to become incredible. Exactly. Flexibility of uh, benefits is going to become incredibly important. And so pushing that innovation into those markets becomes incredibly important to me. And then I just, one other thing that the government should do is continue to free up the use of data because I think analytics in healthcare has massive power to uh, transform the industry. And so anything from a regulatory standpoint you can do to keep data from getting locked in these silos yeah. will also have a huge uh, long-term impact. Bernard, you're in California as well as some other states and you are affected by this power outage with the utility out there. You've got some uh, patients affected, hospitals affected. What is going on? It's, uh, it's very unfortunate, but it's the realities of what we're dealing with in California. I think as of last night, we may have had three hospitals that um, are, have lost power uh, because of the power outage. But of course, we have generators and emergency generators, and we know how to work without power by having our own self-contained power. But thinking beyond that, and here's where a system like Kaiser Permanente, and we still are going to do our post-assessments afterwards because this is now part of our reality. But we have certain, some of our members who are on medication that require refrigeration. So we happen to have all of that in our electronic health system. So we're able to pull that data out very quickly and make sure that those members are being cared for. We have some members in their homes who are oxygen dependent. And so we are putting backup systems, I'm sure, to take yeah, care of You actually members. have to go find those people and make sure they're doing okay? Oh, yeah. In many cases, this is an outreach Because most program. homes don't have backup power. Yeah, but this is an outreach program. And so there are community efforts going on. There are things that we're doing, I'm sure, inside of Kaiser Permanente to take care of uh, our members. Uh, we need to make sure that um, some of our members who we're dealing with the social care of part of our health ecosystem that we're working on now. Isolation is a big issue. So we may have to do some reach out to make sure that those members who are alone, in particular our seniors, are getting what they need from the community and from a system like ours. I mean, it, it, the, the, the effects of these changes, of course, is massive. Um, and that happens also with the disasters. And so obviously we all know this is intended to be a prevention uh, of uh, disasters like we've seen yeah. in the past, but it creates major problems. Guys, I want to thank you for a great discussion. Bernard Tyson of Kaiser Permanente, Steve Van Kuyken of McKinsey. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. you.